0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of a Formula for Success podcast, brought to you by CrowdStrike, the official cybersecurity partner of the Mercedes-AMG Petronas Formula One team. In part two of my conversation with CrowdStrike founder and CEO George Kurtz and Toto Wolff, the team principal and CEO at the Mercedes-AMG Petronas Formula One team, we hear how they constantly drive innovation and creativity within their organizations whilst leading talent and high-performance teams. George, motorsport has really always had innovative people, both in terms of engineers, but to drivers as well. Dan Gurney, inventing the Gurney flap on the back of the car. Or I remember speaking to, to Mika Hacken and Toto, who you know well, and Mika talking about when, when he was winning his championships with Mercedes Power. He asked the team to put the accelerator, the throttle pedal, on the steering wheel as a paddle because the electrical signal from your brain it's got a shorter distance to travel to your hand than your foot. So he thought you might be able to go a thousandth of a second faster. It, it didn't work. It was a crazy idea, but it, he tried. And I love the idea of that coming up with novel ideas uh, and looking to move forwards. George, how do you continue to inspire those novel ideas and, and and making sure that you're predicting the next challenge, not the one that's here today, but consistently evolving?
1: So we're always focused on driving innovation throughout CrowdStrike, and I think that's really an area that we've excelled at. One of the things that we do internally, as an example, is we have something called Think Week, and we actually allow our employees to take a week to come up with new innovations, and we stack rank them, and we provide prizes and contests. And, and the whole goal for that is to actually take what someone incubated and then move that into a production environment. And that's actually worked really well. A lot of our modules and, and technologies behind the scenes actually came out of Think Week. So when we think about innovation and what we're trying to do, we have a lot of folks like Dan Gurney running around uh, CrowdStrike, and I think you have to be able to give them an environment, a playground that really facilitates that. And we know there's going to be mistakes made, and you know, not when I go to the races, I see the uh, you know the aero tests. Uh, they put all the crazy stuff on the cars when they when they practice, and they're looking at you know. Uh, the, the wind coming off it as an example, not all that stuff works, right? In fact, sometimes the wings get knocked off and the car goes faster and everybody scratches their head. <laughs> yeah. um, but so not everything that we do works, but I think we have to give them an opportunity to make it work. And you're going to have to kiss a few frogs to, to find the prince. And we've gotten some really great ideas, but it's that fostering innovation and that drive to always succeed and, and be the best, knowing that the competition is always changing. The competition is always going, getting better. And we can't just rest on our laurels uh, at CrowdStrike either.
0: Interesting talking about fostering innovation and creativity. Um, Toto, I guess you as an individual probably wouldn't thrive in a nine to five job. And in any team, you need your maestros, those people who can do a bit of magic. And I want to talk about your time working with Lewis Hamilton. Incredible success on track, but you know Lewis historically in his career was asked to have not with yourself, but his haircut a certain way, or dress a certain way, arrive at a certain time. And you've given Lewis, let's say, a bigger playground to play with in terms of going off and doing fashion. Just talk a bit about that. How you got used to that decision-making process of allowing your maestro, if you like, that greater freedom that then ended up bringing success.
2: I think it is important to understand what drives. The leaders within your organization, the people that report to you are the ones that contribute to performance. And I take a real interest in the people. For me, it is it is great to learn what drives an individual like Lewis or what drives an, an, an engineer. I cannot uh, design an aerodynamic surface, but I can try to understand a lot about the person that can. And with Lewis, it was... It was we, we grew together over many years, and in a way, we almost have nonverbal communication now. He performs best when he's able to take his mind off motor racing. He has a huge interests in the world of fashion, in music, um, and many others. And I remember one race um, many years ago in Singapore. Louis was launching his uh, capture collection with Tommy Hilfiger in Shanghai. And he uh, FaceTimed us in the engineering group and stood on the catwalk and and showed us around. And then uh, a few days later, he was, uh, I believe it was New York, to launch launch the collection there and then back to Europe for a private event. And he arrived in Singapore last minute Thursday night, which was okay with me because we discussed it. And I had all the media uh, criticizing him, criticizing myself to allow that. Niki Lauda, my, my um, brother in crime, also said, how can you how can you allow that? He needs to be here and concentrate himself. It's a different time zone. And uh, I said, the deal that we have is performance. And that has always worked since 2014. And on Saturday, he just crushed everybody. It was the best qualifying lap that I have seen from him so far. It was almost a second faster than everybody else. And that continued on, on Sunday. And he just demolished the competition on Sunday. And to be honest, I've never heard anybody since criticizing whether Lewis had days off before the race, because he's just an individual that exactly understands what adds to his performance and he will live his life accordingly. And I accept that.
0: I remember that race so clearly, and it was a track that wasn't meant to be a Mercedes circuit. And I remember speaking to one of the engineers afterwards saying, looking at the data, the car. Physic, the physics of the car, it shouldn't be able to do that time around this track. And yet Lewis set that time, the stopwatch doesn't lie. It was an amazing moment.
2: Um, George, it was 17 or 18. You, you know all the data. When was it? 17
0: or 18, right? I'm going to say 17. I'll wait for a voice in my ear to tell me. But I I, th- I remember it so clearly. The dates passed me by. I will say 17, but it was such a poignant moment. And again, that belief in allowing someone to fly and flourish just the benefit of that on track was, was clear. And I guess, George, if, if we look to CrowdStrike as a business and you as a leader, when we get highly talented people, sometimes we get sort of, should we say, high octane, for want of a better phrase, um, relationships that can occur um, because of that with competing views. And that can cause uh, some difficulty, should we say, in a team. How do you harness the highly talented people whilst not letting that boil over as you solve a particular problem?
1: We do have a lot of creative folks, and it's interesting, when I started the company, I picked the top 20 people that I thought in the world uh, would set the foundational elements for CrowdStrike. I didn't really care where they were. And uh, our employee, Zero, is uh, one of the smartest guys I've ever met. He got into college when he was 10. Uh, he didn't go until he was 16, but he, one of those fellows, if you will. And so you do have a lot of creative folks and a lot of different views. And I think it's the different views that if you create an environment, it really fosters the the best outcome. And, you know, I challenged the team to, to certain things. Like when we started the company, I said, you have to be able to install our software without a reboot. And everyone said, well, geez, you know, you install Adobe on a, on a PC, you have to reboot. It. It's impossible to install a piece of security software that, that can't be rebooted. And I said, you, we're never going to get the velocity we want unless we can do that. And it took them six months and like a couple patents, but they got it done. And it was all views that said, you can do it, you can't do it. We need to change this and change that. And we came to, we came to the right outcome. And I, I just, it can't be an echo chamber, right? You have to let people speak and you have to let the, the good ideas bubble to the surface. And if you give people the, the canvas to do that, I think you'll come out with fantastic technology uh, that works. And that's really what I've tried to focus on, allow people that environment.
0: George, I want to dial down a bit on Formula One. I understand the connection with CrowdStrike and Mercedes. It's an obvious relationship, partly, of course, to do with your passion, but to do with uh, high-tech, cutting-edge technology, talented people, um, perfect processes. All of that makes sense on why CrowdStrike is drawn in. What I'd like to know is since you've entered Formula One, what have you learned um, that you can apply to CrowdStrike from your experiences, your time in the garage, in the pit lane, um, that you can cross over from racing that helps at CrowdStrike?
1: Well, I think, Dana, you're one of our best salespeople. So when you, when you give up <laughs> your job here, we've got a job for you. But uh, I think that really is one of the interesting things about Mercedes and the Formula One team is that when we show up to a race and we bring customers, everybody knows about CrowdStrike. You know, you talk about CrowdStrike, you talk about the technology, you talk about the value propositions. And I think that's really different than a lot of other teams. I don't think we would see the same level of engagement from other teams. I don't think the the level of uh, caring and just, you know, partnering with, with CrowdStrike would be there. And I think that's one of the areas that really makes it a special partnership. And uh, we got to Mercedes because um, the F1 team wanted a change and they wanted some great technology. And that's how the relationship started. And obviously, there's a passion for motorsports at, at the board level all the way down. But I think our in our time with being with Formula One, it's, it's really that attention to detail that, you know, that focus on winning. And, and the fact that, uh, as Toto said, you know, Mercedes is, is at the top of the hill. Everybody's trying to knock them off. And, and the same thing with CrowdStrike you know, we're at the top of the hill, the top of the game in the security industry for a security company. It's, you know, that level of passion, innovation, and realizing that you can't just do the same thing and expect to win. You've got to be better than everyone else. And I think that that's translated between what happens in the garage and what I, what I get a sneak peek to see uh, and what we need to do as a company. It, it's very similar, although it's totally two different you know, areas.
0: So, so, I want to talk about that mentality because if we look at other sports and other athletes, they typically, a lot of them when they retire, go into after-dinner speaking. If I think about Formula One, right back through the ages, there is so much entrepreneurial nature on the grid from, you know, Jackie Stewart in the 60s became a multi-millionaire outside of Formula One. Jody has done the same thing. You, you could name dozens of drivers that have gone on to, to have success in business elsewhere. Is it because of the connections they've made in F1 or is there some common thread you can see between racing drivers that, you know, a common held mentality that's led them to run successful teams and businesses away from the sport?
2: You know, Danny, I love you, but I strongly disagree with you on that one i <laughs> uh, i think the, the uh Jody Schechter stepped into another life as an entrepreneur and something in a life that is remarkable, something totally different in terms you know with farming and Jackie has stayed on um, as an ambassador for various brands, but the only one who continued to have entrepreneurial um relevance was Nikki lauda yeah uh, Nikki left the sport uh to become an airliner and founded Lauda Air sold louder Air and went into a consultancy role with Ferrari and from then on launched his, his next airline and did so very well and then be, became a non-executive chairman of Mercedes and shareholder of Mercedes with me. And he continued to be relevant until the end of his life and enjoyed, uh, he said to me once that he enjoyed winning with the team more uh, than he did as a driver. So there's not many examples that you would say that had a second career after their motor racing career but i believe that you shouldn't exclude that for the future i think with the connectivity that we have today you can be in any place of the world and can you can you can just run a startup and become global and maybe that's changing for the future but uh, for me as an entrepreneurial role model um, as a mentor as a racing driver as someone that has uh, defeated dying in a car has shown huge stamina and resilience. It's only Nicky Lauda.
0: I can't really uh, back down on that one, Toto. So I'll back you with Nikki on that. We can go into it another time. But I guess now we've seen th- this success. What I'd like to do now is look at how we-, we maintain it. And that phrase, familiarity breeds contempt and people looking for their next challenge. Toto, this new cost cap in Formula One, it- it's a challenge because those who are in a capitalist world and want bigger, better, faster, more, we can't just give them a salary rise, I guess, because of of, of the nature of the cost cap. So how do you make it a more rewarding place to work to make sure that you keep that that talent and we don't lose it to another team? I guess the same thing, the question to you, George, because the the cybersecurity world, there's companies popping up all over the world. How do you maintain that core talent? I'll start with you on that, Toto.
2: So I think where... Formula One needed to be protected from itself is that our costs continue to escalate. There is not a single year that they reduced and they they reached unhealthy levels. And at that stage, um, we all came together with the regulator and with the commercial rights holder to come up with a system where operating on a cost cap. And that is no different than many of the successful sports leagues in the US have handled the situation. And for us as teams, it's... uh, it's an opportunity now to become real businesses. We are limited to 10 franchises. That means there will be no more teams unless everybody agrees. And uh, because we are limited in our expenditure, we will look, uh, go into profitability. And that is not only important for the current shareholders, but is actually hugely important for the business itself to attract investment, to gain momentum um, as business itself. And, and in that respect, that, that was a game changer. And we're probably 15 15 years late um, to the show compared to our to American peers. So, your question in terms of retent- uh, talent retention, I think talent will always find its um, place in uh, top organizations, and uh, you will have um, benefits and uh, and possibilities for talent to thrive. And it's not always down to the best financial package, but it's being part of an in an organization that that gives you growth that gives you ability to develop, that has the right mindset and spirit and um, and based on the right values. And this is what we are trying to provide to younger generations that joined us, but also the very senior leaders.
0: And George, I mentioned, um... Cybersecurity companies popping up all over the place. I tried to start one myself earlier, but I couldn't build the website. So I had to let it go. But it, it, it's a busy marketplace. What gave you the confidence to set it up? And, and how now um, do you ensure that you keep that top talent and stand out from a bustling crowd?
1: It is a busy market. And I think what uh, what we focused on when we started the company was really building out a, a true platform that would serve us well, uh, collecting lots of data, and then uh, providing a, a bit of playground for our engineers and our team when we have as much data as we have. You know we, we start looking like a Google and a Facebook and others because we we have so much data, all threat data, um, which becomes really interesting from a data science perspective. But I think part of what keeps people engaged is is I try to run things like a, like a family operation. And I don't mean that from a structure perspective, but I mean that about caring for people and taking an interest in what they're doing and making sure they're looked after. And at, at 4,500 plus people, you know at, at, at the time of when we're taping this thing it it becomes hard to do that particularly in a COVID world but i think if people feel that family structure and they understand what we're trying to do and that you know we win and lose together and uh, that we're playing for the name on the on the the front of the jersey not the back of the jersey i think they they stick around and there's always going to be financial packages that come and go and it's a very competitive environment right now lots of startups that are out there but if you're making a difference and you're giving people a place to succeed and you care about them, I think they'll stay. And and to Toto's uh, point, you know, talent finds talent. And if you're on a winning team and you like each other and, uh, you know, you win and lose as a team, we always say one team, one fight. Um, I think that means a lot. And that, that keeps people at CrowdStrike. And as as, as challenging as it is in, in, in today's environment to keep talent, uh, I think we've done a good job there.
0: Guys, thank you so much for your time. As we start to to wrap things up and conclude, I want to go back to where we started and talking about growing as, as leaders and and your origin story, if you like. And I remember uh, meeting both of you, Toto, long before um, I worked with you and uh, with, with the Mercedes team back, back, back in the day. I remember thinking that's a guy I'd like to, or I'd be interested to work for. And exactly the same when I met yourself, um, George, just thinking I'd love to do some, some work for that guy. And I wonder the people that you've met, Um, those that have inspired you, if there's ever been a bit of advice that stood out from those great leaders. Toto, you mentioned Nikki earlier, but a great bit of advice you've been given on leadership from someone, if anything stands out in particular, Toto. There's maybe
2: two bits of advice that I got. One is from a a great friend and mentor of mine, um, Hans-Werner Aufrecht, who is founded AMG, the A of AMG. And it was about empowering people and m- trying to make them take decisions. And he told me a story when he was running AMG. Uh, people would always come back to him for decisions. So uh, one day, one of his uh, um, managers um, asked for a meeting. He came to the office, and Mr. Albrecht le- leaned, leaned back in his chair and uh, took a newspaper. And when a guy came in and said, I need your advice because I need to take a decision, Mr. Albrecht said, I have no time for you. And that's when the people started to actually uh, take decisions um, on their own. And as for Nicky, um, probably the most important is don't complain. Just just get on with things and sort it out. And that was remarkable because he suffered from so many health um, things at the end of his life, but I haven't heard one word of complaining from his side, and that is that was just strong.
0: That's fascinating. Uh, George, how about yourself?
1: Well, I worked for a gentleman one time. He said, did you ever try to push a piece of spaghetti? I said no. He says, "Well, because it doesn't work, right? Yeah, I have to pull it." And I think what what he was really saying is, "You got to lead from the front, right? You, you've got to be out there. You've got to be in the field. You got to be talking to customers." And and I wouldn't ask anybody to do anything I wouldn't do. You know, this is not leading by uh, ivory tower and you know looking at spreadsheets. You got to be out there and 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 pulling the team along with you. And I think that's really important. And then you have to allow people to you know, set the goal and allow them to figure out how to get there. Not everything is going to go right. There's no straight line to success. Things are going to go off the rails in certain cases, but if you have the right people and you give them the flexibility, they're going to figure out a way to win. And, uh, you know, we, we have a a saying of, uh, GSD here and, uh, you can, you can figure out what the acronym is, but that's what it's all about. It's all about execution and just figure out a way to get it all done. And if we do that more times than not, we're going to win.
0: Fantastic. Well, guys, in conclusion, I think the only thing that's left to say really is, uh, George, you've been a, a great ambassador recently for Mercedes without being out there in your GTR winning races. Toto, I know you've, you've hung up the racing boots and overalls, but uh, if we're a real team, maybe if we're doing some endurance racing, any chance, Toto, of getting you into the CrowdStrike team and uh, you and George being teammates over, over a race?
2: Would be great. I think we would have good fun because we are absolutely on the same wavelengths. And uh, yeah, we haven't done that so far. We have been at some fun events, but maybe one day we'll we'll will compete, but we'll not compete against each other, but with each other. I George, is he
0: quick a-
1: enough? Uh, he's quick. Yeah, you should see him <laughs> on the ice. He's very quick. I think we should focus on uh, Spa twenty four hours. That'd be a good race.
0: You yeah, guys drive. A, I'll, I'll be there there with open, the
2: clacker. I have an open an open thing with Spa twenty four hours. I was uh, leading the race many many moons ago, and uh, it ended with a. Engine failure at 10 o'clock in the morning. So yeah, let's go back there. I love the circuit. Not sure Susie will like it, but uh, we can uh, we can debate that with us. We can work through that.
0: Yeah. As I said, we talk about this being a discussion on the formula for success. And I think if you need a formula, within that formula must be multiple ingredients. And you two have been a perfect ingredient that has equaled, I think, a very successful conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. And we'll catch up soon, guys. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Danny.
0: CrowdStrike, we stop breaches. We're also the official cybersecurity partner for the Mercedes-AMG Petronas Formula One team. Trusted by champions, protected by leaders. Take us for a test drive at crowdstrike.com forward slash F1.